Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of December. Fair usage policy applies. Hello and welcome back to the Open Goal podcast. Keeping the ball on the ground in association with our friends at... William Hill, as usual, we've got our very own Simon Ferry sitting across me. Si, how you doing? Good, mate. Just been battering the neighbours' windies with snowballs, so Paul will still be at my door when I get him. <laughs> and top of the league as well? Top of the league, but I've done many. That's, to that's why they're top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I had to come off with 10 minutes to go. I can travesty for the full of Peterhead during the morning today. But uh, does not look good, man. I think I've tore something in my knee, so... So what are you looking at? Rest three of the season? Weeks, maybe, nah, oh, three three or right. four weeks, maybe. Three or four weeks, I have. Well, that's not Hopefully, too bad. Uh, Come back just for the run and just... But the thing is, tight. the win bonus goes up when you're top of the league and I'm going to fucking Does miss it. it. Uh-huh. You've surely got to be on it. You don't get nah, that in your deal. It, nah. The boys will make an arse. You'd have thought with your injury record, you'd have had that. The first <laughs> thing you'd have written in. <laughs> right, listen. Look to your right-hand side. This is an open goal. This is an open goal scoop. This is an open goal exclusive. You've knocked it off. One-year-old Portsmouth teammates. He's been desperate to get on the podcast for months and months. He's been badgering you. He has. And eventually, you've relented. You've got him lined up. <laughs> the he's in beside us. He's a top man. He's a Motherwell goalkeeper. Trevor Carson. Trevor, great to have you on, yeah. on the Open Goal podcast. Yeah, no, it's great to be on. I'm a big fan. I listen to all the shows and... Uh... It's a bit, I'm a bit starstruck to be honest, sat beside Simon <laughs> and uh, no, it's great to be on, thanks for having when, me. When you sat next to him at Portsmouth and he, he was a teammate, did you think he was destined for, for something like this? <laughs> Not well, he could always talk talk the talk, like, but uh, no, he's doing great and uh, you know, Si was always in the treatment room when I was there, so I didn't sit next to him much, but uh, no, he's doing great and By it's, way, it's good to see. Trevor's going to punch my head off on a Christmas day once. Aye. Uh, remember that? I can't remember. <laughs> Well, Sounds a bit right. <laughs> I was taking the piss out of something. You were, you, you were, I just remember you staring at us, and I was like, "Oh fuck, man!" You're like me and you outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of shitting myself walking out. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't don't blame. He's often. a big lad. Oh, he's a big boy, mate. Uh, he is. But tell us first of all, before we get any further, Trevor, 
you had a hell scare, a, a serious one um, late last year. You obviously know back playing football, but the most important thing is you're back to full health. You just just tell us about it and what what exactly you had to go through because obviously it was worrying times for yourself and your family. Yeah, you know it's uh, obviously two months on now and I feel a lot better. But at the time it was scary and uh, you know it all started when we played Rangers at Ibrox. We got beat seven one, but the morning of the game I woke up with like weird pains down my shoulder and. I just thought it. I've had shoulder problems all my career. I just thought mm-hmm. it was just I'd slept on it wrong or something. And or something else. Have you been doing something? <laughs> doing <twice>? something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the week after that, I went away with Northern Ireland and was still getting pains. It was going into my neck, down into my ribs, and you know I just didn't know what it was. But I got wind that I was going to play against Austria, and you know at Windsor Park. So I thought, you know, I'm going to blag this, and so you know it's too good of an opportunity to. So I played in the game, come back to Motherwell on the Monday, and it was the Tuesday night. I was in just lying on the sofa and I was I genuinely thought I was taking a heart attack the pains were like my mum was there at the time and it's like a mother's instinct she knew something was up and she was badgering me to go to NA and finally I relented and went in and you know they done tests and found like a clot that started off my shoulder but it sort of broke off and into my lung so you know I was really lucky that you know when you hear stuff that the doctor said like they were 90% convinced it was cancer when it, in the first uh, scan, you know, stuff like that sort of hits home. And, and they, they're telling you that? That was after the new, that's after the new, it was just, I say just a clot, but after the new it was a clot and it wasn't anything, you know, more sinister than that, you know, it, they told me what they thought it was and because I got on really well with the doctor, he was a quite a flamboyant guy, he was a big Celtic fan, you know, and he was sort of good crack, but... You know, when you hear stuff like that, you know, football becomes irrelevant. You know, it's your family, your health, you know, and ever since then, that's all I've been focusing on, getting back healthy. It was a blood clot. A blood clot, yeah. I still don't know. I'm going to a specialist next week because Motherwell want to get to the bottom of why it's came. And, you know, usually you see blood clots in older people and, you know, overweight people. I know I'm carrying a bit, right, <laughs> but I'm not that, not that bad. But, uh, you know, so they want to get to the bottom of it and hopefully hopefully we can find out, you know, where it came from. You must just be, be happy as much as you see you put football in perspective with, with a situation like that. But it, it, it's obviously been very, very close. Yeah, you know, I always knew there would come a time where, you know, initially the first month, six weeks, it was all my health. I was taking it easy, but I'm at the point now where I feel fit, I feel good. Mm-hmm. But I know the earliest I can come back to 25th of May, the treatment I'm on, it stops. So I can't do any contact sports until then. So, and it's sort of, you know, I'm turning my heart, heart at the minute because I feel good. I'm in the gym. I'm going to take that Have you not heard of the fibres? <laughs> got the fibres in it, mate, the old salt and pepper. So. No, but I'm desperate to get back now, and that's the focus, you know, get back. I know this season's a write-off, so the aim's next season, come back as strong as I can. And just on that, if you're saying 25th of May, Trevor, are you absolutely guaranteed to be allowed back to play, or is it still not 100% there's certain? No, no, there's no guarantees in terms of, you know, I've read people's stories where the clots come back and they had to be on this treatment for life, and when you're on that treatment, because it's a blood thinner, the dangers of getting a head knock or, you know, it could be fatal, so, you know, it's not... But, you know, everyone's confident I'll make a full recovery. So I'm going for a scan tomorrow. That'll be my first scan to sort of see how it's coming along. And uh, I'll know more after that. But, you know, that's the plan. And, you know, worst case, if I don't play again, you know, as long as I'm healthy, you know, I've got two kids, I've got a partner, you know, that's that's my main focus. But, you know, I'm confident I'll be back. Are you, as much as you're confident you're back, and we all hope that you, you make it back, has there been a wee part of you that's drifted and thinking, right, 
Danny look at possibly putting a plan in place if this does they go to plan? Yeah, without you know, I've got my B license and coaching, and I think for a goalkeeper, it's such an easy route to go into the goalkeeping coaching. You know, it's you know, and I'd be stupid not to. So I've enrolled on like my goalkeeping A license in the summer already. I've done that in the past couple of weeks. So you know, that's always a fo- you know, I'm not getting any younger. I know I'm coming towards the end of it. Well, hopefully five or six years left. But you got you know, you got to be. You know, focusing on that, you know, it's always going to come to an end at some point. So, yeah, it's sort of been a wake-up call in that sense, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully I can be prepared. Well, listen, we wish you well. We'll speak more in depth, actually, about your career now. We know you're, you're in good health and hopefully you get the news that you want. On, yep. on May 25th, we'll speak more about your your career, your achievements with, with Motherwell and, and Northern Ireland, the possibilities of a couple of other big moves that, that has nearly happened for you uh, in your career, and there's still time for that to, to happen as well. But before we go any further... We'll speak about the William Hill <coughs> Scottish Cup review, Simon. Since we're on the William Hill podcast, may we may as well, well, we may as well uh, speak about it. Right, the, there was a few big ones, but the, the shock of the round, the story of the round of the fourth round ties <coughs> was definitely Auchinleck Talbot's victory over Air United at Beechwood Park on, on Saturday. Fantastic for the, the junior team. Eh? Amazing, eh? It's got to be one of the best results in the competition now. Eh? Junior team beating Air uh, flying high at the top of the championship. We actually watched it. We got up to Peterhead early to watch it. To watch it at half twelve on the telly. Uh, and all through the game, we were saying, "Fucking, I would hate to be at Auckland like they're playing against them because they just looked so up for it." Air looked like a team at a short in confidence. I don't think they've won a game in seven. Uh, I think if Shanklin's playing, they win the game. I think Air had missed at the bottom. To be fair, mm-hmm. uh, but it just seemed to me like it was going to be one of the days for Air. They're putting a lot of balls in the box, but. Not really getting on the end of it, and you just thought if if Auchinleck can get a set piece, they could they could score for it, um, and that's exactly what happened. But f- fair play, Auchinleck. I thought they were um, very well organised, yeah. and it seemed to me like they wanted it more than the air players, which is which is surprising for a, an Ian McCall team. And they certainly know how to win a cup tie, Trevor, because okay, this this is a William Hill Scottish Cup, it's a senior one, but they've won the the junior cup, you know, several times. That their holders, Tommy Sloan, the manager, has been there. For five or six years, so that they certainly know their way around a, a cup tie. Yeah, you know, I didn't see much. I was doing that, you Off know, the at the time. Yeah, and uh, but you know, I caught the interviews after the game, and Ian McCauley, our, our manager, you know, he said they totally deserved it. You know, it wasn't yeah. a fluke. It wasn't, you know, and that can happen in cup games. You know, you can raise your game. You know, and anyone can beat anyone, and you know, it's a great achievement for them, and you know, fair play to them. Now, obviously, size has been telling us. Uh, earlier chair that he's not got it written into his contract that if he's injured he's on the bonus so you wouldn't want if you're an Auckland Lek player you wouldn't be sending Sai in as your rep to negotiate <laughs> the win bonus for this game against uh, Hearts next month at Tynecastle. we believe they were on 400 quid a man see for the air game there, four, huh? not bad, eh? uh-huh. so they've got, you've got to be looking at like, if the Auckland Talbot Auckland Lek Talbot boys are listening at least treble that yeah definitely because it's going to be a TV every chance it's going to be a TV yeah. game yeah. the next one so you know got to fill your bits so. they'll, not, they'll not beat Hearts though well, do you know what? I, I was there seven years ago when Hearts played Auchinleck in the Scottish Cup, the same round, right. and Hearts only won one nil. The the Auchinleck Talbot goalie, who's still there, Leishman, was outstanding that day. And in fact, Auchinleck scored a goal with a couple of minutes to go on equaliser, and it was disallowed, but it should have stood because Gordon Pope, who's still there, right. yeah. the goal was onside. So you know, you're an avid Auchinleck fan, aren't you? I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, was that at Tynecastle yeah, or Auchinleck? It, it was at Tynecastle. Oh, was it, right? Aye, ah, it was only 1-0, well, but I say, at least when they go, the trailer, they appreciated his performance. It was outstanding that yeah. day. And I suppose going to Tynecastle, uh, when you're out against guys like, like Stevie Naismith and the rest, the goalkeeper might be the most important uh, player on the yeah, pitch for them. Yeah, he's going to have to have a blinder regardless, but 
you know, it's it's a great draw for them. Tyne Castle's great great place to play, and they'll be buzzing for it. And they'll, again, they'll raise their game. They'll probably run further than they've ever run. You know, and uh, you know it's going to be a great tie to watch, and I'm sure it'll be on the TV. So it'll be a big day for them. Scottish Cup's big now, so I enjoyed that weekend. I, I wasn't yeah. really looking forward to it, to be honest with you. But watching the highlights and that, I think. Quite a lot of the, the the lower league teams done really well, so I think the Scottish Cup was great this weekend. I really enjoyed it's, it. It's all the tournament in football, brilliant, eh? Yeah. Because the English FA Cup now is a farce, isn't it? Yeah. It's all big teams playing their their, their weekend teams. teams whereas aye. it's no. great to see Celtic and, and big teams like that put out their their strongest team. So fair play to them. And, and you think see it as well, Aberdeen, Sterry having to play again, Dundee, Queen yeah. of the South having to play. Aloha was at that game. On Saturday, Alloa 2 0 up, St. Mern down to 10 men, but what a comeback by yeah. St. Mern as well. Yeah, brilliant. And I think as well, sorry for the teams outside the old firm, it's a massive opportunity to go and, you know, get get the final of a mm. cop and play, you know, play at Hamden. Cause, you know about that, mate, didn't you? Oh, aye, but, you know, down south, there's, you've got, what is it, 20 Premier League teams, you've got your championship, but up here, you know, when you're in the SPL, you've, you know, there's, what, 12 teams, if, you know, take away the old firm, you've got, you know, Get a decent t- draw, huh? Get a decent draw, you know, a couple of games. That was us last year, a couple of wins, and all of a sudden you're playing at Hamden in the semis. You know, it's, mm-hmm. So it's a big opportunity even for, you know, SPL teams. Just, just on that then, Trevor, you know, Motherwell lost to, to Ross County at the weekend. How disappointing a result was that? Yeah, got it. The whole place, you know, it was geared up. It was last year our season was built on the cup runs and, uh, you know, so the play, you know, it's a, it wasn't a happy dressing room after the game, you know, I was in and the manager was, Got it, because as I say, you know, it is such a big opportunity. You win a couple of games, get a couple of decent draws, and you know, all of a sudden you're playing quarterfinals, semi-finals, and you know, so the lads are disappointed. But you know, big game tomorrow night again. So they got a team today. Oh, they deserved it. They were yeah. really good. Yeah, they played well, and but they're top of the championship. There's not much. Much had probably one four places difference. You know, we knew it was going to be a tough game, but. We just didn't turn up, and you know they were they were decent. Where does that lead, Mother? Because if if you look at the league table, as much as you know, take that for granted, you know, you you probably maybe the only club that's in limbo, as and you don't look in danger of going down, yeah. and you don't look really much that you're going to kind of penetrate, you know, mm-hmm. the top five, kind of six spots. So again, that just I suppose hammered home the point, like losing the cup one because that could have kept yeah your focus going, you know, from now until April. But the manager, we had. The- a meeting on Monday, yesterday after the game, you know, I think the manager was weary of that, of sort of the season petering out a bit, but he made it clear that, you know, the re- you know the second half of the season is massive, not only in terms of this season, but momentum for next season, you know, it's important. And I think at our place, there's maybe 14 lads out of contract, so, I see that. you know, everyone's playing for their futures, and, yeah. you know, and, there's... And every, every place you finish higher, ah, it's worth it could be worth 80, 100, yeah. 120 grand excellent in the yeah, budget. Yeah, definitely, and so I don't think there's any fear of, like, you know, that sort of creeping in, like lads sort of down in tools, I don't think that'll happen. I wanted to ask you something. You've played with some great midfielders, especially at Portsmouth, but how good uh, <laughs> Except at Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> how good's the boy Turnbull? Davey, oh, I like mate. him, mate. Good player. He's a player, mate. We've been saying it for... And to be fair to the man, you know, we were saying he should be playing la- maybe last year, and, and the manager's maybe played a blinder with him, because now when he put him in, he's just... You know, it's the right time. You know, it, it seems to be the right time. He scored goals and great technique in that. Yeah, he's a uh-huh. you know he's a great player to watch and you know hopefully we can tie him down because his contract's up and you know there's obviously a lot of interest in him. So you know it'd be great if we could keep him because you know for me he's a top top player. Mm-hmm. And you know a good a good kid as well. Good attitude about him. Great lad. You know he's yeah. sort of you know you wouldn't really notice him around the place. He just goes about his business. He's not you know he's not one of these Billy Big Time loud. You getting this, you getting this. He's out slumming at Slaney when he was at Motherwell. <laughs> no, but he's, you know, he's he's the right sort of. He's got the right mentality to to kick on. But I just hope we can get another year or two out of him, and 
you know, and then let him go. And you look at the the overall window in the SPFL, Trevor, we've still got another uh, eight or nine days um, left of it, but what did you think of the impact of, of the guys who made their debuts at the weekend, you know, your your uh, your Weas, your, your Bucks, your Golds, and even the Rangers game was cancelled, but we, we saw that Davis and um, Defoe getting the run out against Helsinki Davis on Sunday. Ah, uh, Davos. You know, I think it's oh, he's outstanding. Like one of the best midfielders I've played with, and you know, just I just think for the league, it's fantastic. You know, these sort of players coming again because maybe three or four years ago, it was sort of you know you weren't we weren't attracting these sort of names, and you know, ever since I've come up here, they've started falling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's great, you know, and it's good for the league. You know, it's going to be an exciting finish, and. Uh, you know, Rangers Celtic, I think, are going to go right to the wire. And, you know, and they've settled in quite quickly. The boy West scored at the weekend. I didn't, you know, I didn't see him. You know, by all accounts, Burke played well. And, you know, it's exciting and it's, you know, can only be good for the league, you know. On, on that, you just, you, you've, you've mentioned that you're laughing about people following you and the Northern Ireland uh, influence. But we do have, particularly in terms of managers, you've, you've got one yourself, Stevie Robinson, mm-hmm. there's Tommy Wright, there's Neil Lennon. There's there's Oren Kearney, uh, yeah. you know, there, there, there's so many of them. What's is there something going on? Has there been a, a knock on effect from, for example, like Northern Ireland qualifying for Euro thousand, Euro 2016, the Michael O'Neill impact? Is that had a wee effect? Do you think? Or? Yeah, you know, obviously Michael still lives in Edinburgh. And yeah, he's a well-respected guy, you know, and I'm sure he's recommended these sort of coaches to the you know chairman, and because it is Michael O'Neill, they'll probably listen and. You know, I don't. I think they're all doing well as well. You know, Rob has done a great job with us, and Tommy Wright. You know, his record's been excellent, and you know, Neil Lennon's a top manager, and Owen Kearney. You know, he's started struggled at the start, but I think you know he's got Jimmy Nick in there, another yeah. Northern Irish guy, and you know he'll be confident they'll do a good job there. So it's hard to put your finger on why you know why they're coming up here, and but you know it's great to see for our country because you know when Michael does eventually move on, you know these boys getting their the ground in here in a good league, a good level, be you know, non and have a few good good choices. In, in terms that you've mentioned, Michael, you, you've obviously worked under him at the national level. Just how good is he? He's the best I've worked under, like in terms of his detail, attention to detail, and you know, I always remember reading Roy Keane's book about Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, coming out of a meeting, he never once came out of a meeting where he thought he didn't learn something or you know doesn't grab your attention that's the same with Michael O'Neill maybe you know you could have three meetings in one day and you, every one of them you come out thinking I've learned something there and you know and he, you always go on the pitch you know for a goalkeeper it's quite easy because you always know your job but not one player could go on the pitch not knowing what, exactly what they have to do or you know he's so every every little detail in the opposition is covered and you know the results over the way he's turned the country around and the whole field you know wins are sold out a year in advance now and yeah you know, maybe three, four years ago, they were struggling to get five, six thousand yeah. in the in the door. So that speaks volumes of the job he's done. I mean, you, you've got a hell of a section of it. Germany, Holland. I mean, the, the draw wasn't <laughs> kind to you at all, was it? <laughs> what made it worse was Republic were initially in that group, yeah. and they had to take them out because Dublin's one well, of the whole cities. So yeah. I think that rubbed salt into the wound. But it's you know the lads in the group chat after it saying you know the old the way it is the banter, nice easy draw and all that. But I think. Deep down, they'll be excited, you know, big games. And, you know, I think Holland's a team we have to sort of focus on going head-to-head with them, the home game against them. We've got to beat them and then hopefully go to, you know, over to, I think it's Farnord we play them over at their ground. So that's a big one and it's a big challenge, but we're confident we can, you know, 
get that second place at least. Okay, just nipping back to, to the Scottish Cup before we finish off this section of the Open Goal podcast, keeping the ball on the ground. Trevor, who is your tip? Now that Motherwell's out, should be easier for you <laughs> to choose one. You look at the last 16. Who's your tip to win the William Hill Scottish Cup? Who's going to lift the, the trophy out there at Hamden on, on May 25th? I think on basis of the strength of the squad, you have to say Celtic are clear favourites, you know, and uh, but I think Rangers will be confident themselves, you know, obviously it's a tough game of Cowden Beef, it's not yeah. going to be easy down there, it's going to be a culture shock to a lot of the players, so if they can overcome that and, you know, in the next round, it's got to be the top two, you know, the old firm, but your Aberdeen's, your Hearts, you know, Hibs, they'll be confident, like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on the fence, aren't I? <laughs> Massively. Well, <laughs> just named five out of the 16 left. No, I'm going to say Saturday. Saturday got to be favourite. That's who my money's on. You think it's going to be a, a treble treble or do you think Rangers will win the league? I, don't, I think well, all the big questions. I think it'll go to the wire. I've said there's a lot of big Celtic fans in our dressing room and I have the banter with them, Cads and all them boys. And I've said, I've, I'm, I genuinely think Rangers will pip them this year. I yeah. do, I do. You know, they've made some amazing signings in this window and you know it seems like there's a des not a desperation but just at all costs stop Celtic getting this 10 in a row and you know I think I think they'll do it this year I do so there you have we go Rangers for the title and Celtic, Celtic for the, the oh, William Hill you go. Scottish Cup Sai well who's, who's your tip Sai for the William Hill Scottish Cup I who's tipped Hearts didn't I tipped Hearts so last week got, week got a very kind draw walking like last eight they'll be in so mine just looking but good anyway that's not a bad uh-huh. shoot actually they'll be Jambos I think because they're, they're not going to challenge it I think they'll throw their eggs into that basket yeah, it's a great phrase then as well and as Trevor says you're only you're only three games away for, ah, for a final now, you know, and if it, if it draws county, then <clears throat> you, you never know what can happen. Okay, brilliant, that's the first part of the podcast over, we're keeping the ball on the ground, uh, it's the Open Goal podcast in association with our friends at William Hill, I'm Mark Guidi, and delighted to say joined by our own Simon Ferry, and our special guest is the Motherwell and Northern Ireland goalkeeper, Trevor Carson, great to have Trevor on the show with us, right, a lot of the headlines the past few days, and it's still rumbling on, particularly down south, is the the conduct of the Leeds manager, Marco Bielsa, who's admitted to spying on every opponent that he's faced in the, the championship uh, this season, but it came to a head when uh, Derby, when Frank Lampard spotted a spy and the police had to get involved, and it's kicked off uh, some major stuff down he's the, the man, road. He, he's the what do you make of it? He's the man, I love him. I think he's, he's honest, eh? So do I. At least he's honest. Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's man. He's honest. Have you it seen the video? Was it done the other day? No. On Twitter. No. He's like, Zidane, Zidane, you can come and watch my training sessions. And then after the training, I will explain everything to you. Okay? <laughs> do you understand? And yeah. the big Z's just like, ah, he's this <laughs> But he, um, he doesn't care, does he? He does not But it goes on so much. Of course it does, Especially in international. Because see, before an international game, you train at the stadium the night before. Yeah. So the home team will train first. So the away team will be waiting in the dressing room. So like Austria, I think it was our last away game. And then you'll go on when they are finished. But you'll see people up. Yeah. Like Michael's always sending people up to, you know, shoot yeah, people off because yeah. it's not allowed. But you still get people pretend to be up in maybe a press room like this, but standing with a video phone, you know, getting watching set plays. And because you your last, your last session is for FIFA. no, he's the one <laughs> chewing them off. <laughs> yeah. Not us. We don't do it. Not a chance. Your, la- your last session is generally just your kind of set pieces, and it just kind of just Aye, set pieces. You know, and you can usually say the day before a game, you know, the way to set the shape up. You know, that's yeah. the team that's starting, and you know. For me, it's just using the initiative to go and get that extra inch in a game, to win a game, and if you get caught, then you've got a lot of explaining to do. But 
See, De Canio, yeah. he was big on it. He'd done it all the time. He could tell you their team on a Friday. Yeah. He says, yeah, he, he hasn't trained all week. He won't play. He says, this will be their team. He's like, I'm top level. <laughs> he says, I could tell you how many times he's done a shit this week. He used to say that to players. Unbelievable, man. But he used to do that. He definitely had somebody watching thingy because he knew. And then see, one time his information was wrong. The, the team came in and the guy, he was like, he won't play. And then he came in, so he was a bit embarrassed and he, he started fucking going mental in the dressing room. He's a assistant. Uh, he's a staff. Uh, you've got it wrong and not going oh, mental on no. it. Uh, but uh, no, he was big on it, massive on it. What do you think? I mean, part of me thinks that it's been kicked off for two. A, it's it's a foreign coach that that's yeah. started it and it's come out in the public domain. And B, that the the first kind of public victim of it that came to light was Frank Lampard, who is a darling of the yeah, English course, yeah. Yeah. So you put all that into the basket. You think you know Bielsa was, was going it, whereas. I would think, see if it was another form coach. Uh, it was, again, I don't think. Or even if it was the other way around. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, you know. It's been definitely blown out, but you know, for me, it speaks volumes about what sort of coach he is. He'll go to that length to you know get like you know give himself that extra into the opposition. So it'll be blown over in a week or two. You but know, well, and he'll be back to doing <laughs> back see, to doing see it. See for players though. Like, see when I played, I couldn't care less. Nah. It's actually worse for me. Uh, I actually don't like it when you go in day before a game, watch the opposition. It's usually their best bet. You come out thinking, "Can well, Barcelona?" <laughs> <laughs> usually it was Dagenham Redbridge or something. We were playing. You come out thinking, "They're actually decent." <laughs> I'd rather just go in blind. Well, yeah, you know uh, I mean? like, but you know, everyone's different. But you know, it's. I think it's been blown out, blown out of proportion. But you, you saw. I don't know if you watched the, the press conference that he gave last week. You know, when he actually admitted to watching every team, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then he went into the detail of backing up why he does it. And I think per team, if you look at the detail, it, it kind of amounted to something like one full day, like twenty-four hours. Of, of coverage, of focusing <coughs> on the one team just from, from video analysis yeah. and different things. And you think, wow, the, the staff that they must have uh-huh. and the hours that they must yeah. put in to get that detail. Yeah. Well, see the Canio, see the physio, I got pally with him, me and Rafa Davita got pally with him and uh, we were speaking to him one day and uh, they said that they worked 24 hours a day. After mm. training, he, they would go to his house uh, and he would make them off food. And they would all sit and they would watch just games and games and games up to half ten at night. And he said, you'd get up to go to leave. And he'd be like, no, that's it. We have one more game to watch. So it must just be a foreign thing, but they, they workaholics. It's an obsession, are, isn't it? Like uh, some of them are obsession. obsessed. Just to do well in it. Just like like Bielsa says, if he never done it, he probably he feels bad if they get beat and he's not done it. Uh-huh. And the, the question that Trevor wants to ask about that is, <laughs> no, the, the goalie coaches have to do all that too because Trevor's trying to think, oh, get away at one, oh, two in the yeah. afternoon. The goalie I'll not be working for the Canio anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> so do you think it's going to catch, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think it's going to catch, is it here to stay, whether it, it becomes legitimate or, or whatever? See what I'm thinking, how, <coughs> see the way Derby's training ground is now, there'll be gates and all that, how are these guys getting in? What, do they climb the fence or no, something? Behind the fence or something, yeah. Yeah. like trees yeah, or something. Yeah. Was well, that right? So there'll be there'll be stewards. It's all right. There's, you wouldn't have any trouble at Mullerwell because we train up at DL Park. It's like a. Yeah. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's what it is, mate. It's like you see kids running about, like, uh, like pee lesson, mate, so you wouldn't have much trouble up there. But how much can it actually help? Like, what was it? So they were uh-huh. saying the wee boy Harry Wilson was in the plane. <coughs> He's our best pl- but how much can I actually? Well, it, it gives you, it might give you an extra wee bit, but see in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, it's, it's about the 11 v, it's the old exactly. cliche, it's, it's about the 11 v 11 on the it? pitch, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. And, and you know most of them, unless there's maybe a couple of new signings that have come in that yeah. you don't know, uh-huh. you, you're going to know. Particularly at this stage of the season, it's not his first game against them. I think Bielsa's kind of trying to shame Lampard a bit. That he's, that he's a top manager and uh, this is what a top manager the does detail. Uh, and you're moaning about it but this is what top managers do yeah. this is what you should be doing I think that's what he's what he's saying has it made it even better the fact that he's still going through an interpreter does that just add to it all <laughs> you know the interpreter's <laughs> fucking hopeless isn't he yes. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Pochettino when he was at Southampton everything interpreter 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 and even though you knew he could speak English then as soon as he went to Spurs all of a sudden oh, oh, that was uh, it fluent English People, uh, remember Dave Conley at Portsmouth uh, he was saying to me he was he played for Southampton then he played for Portsmouth and he loved Pochettino because he was still pally with Lallana in that face Southampton right. and Lallana were, were telling him that Pochettino was, was brilliant like a top coach but he could speak perfect English and uh, he's saying what he's doing with the, the interpreter is he's buying himself time see right. things doesn't work, work out he can say to the chairman Look, I'm still no got the language under yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. So it's all, it's all smart. They all uh-huh. think it through, didn't they? That's a wee insight at the top level. Simon Penny, <laughs> who knows fuck all about the top level. <laughs> I loved the interview. You used to do it with the, with the media. You've interviewed them like, like Nakamura, Nakamura, they'd be a big and they would go into great detail of answering the question in Japanese and his wee uh, interpreter would say yes he is looking forward to the game <laughs> five words the interpreter can't you bother yes, can he? he has he has lots of respect for the opposition I think he's definitely not <laughs> saying that he's definitely not <laughs> saying that oh, it, it was so frustrating but Bielsa do you want to see him get promotion do you want to see Leeds United back up with a massive club team? yeah you know I have a couple of mates here as well so Personally, I would you know like them to do well, but Leeds are It'd be great to have them back in the Premier have League. Have you spoke to them a bit? Be also tell them there. Nah, nah not, no, not really. No, nah. nah. you know what it's like. Well, you don't really uh-huh. sort of. You don't care there. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's more good as night out The coaches and stuff like like your Pochettino's and others. I mean, they all rave about him. Anybody yeah. that's worked for him yeah. say that he's he's different class. But if he doesn't take Leeds up, he'll probably get the bump. Oh, so yeah, he's, he's, he's got to yeah. go. But he just walked out his last job as well, didn't he? I think he's a bit of a wild card. He just right. had, I think the median that were on him in France or something, yeah, he just offered him after this and just left. But, oh, the, the football they're playing. That's what I'm saying, the boy, wee boy, for sure, played against him doing something, you'd never think he'd be able to play the way he's playing now under Bielsa. So it just shows you how, how big a, an impact a coach or a manager can have on players. Yeah. Who do you fancy? You've got Norwich, you've got Leeds, you've got, you've got Middlesbrough, you've got Matt Lanil taking over at Nottingham Forest. You know, there's a few teams in the mix here. Yeah, I think Leeds. Leeds will go okay. up automatic, yeah. Norwich as well, they're nicking late goals and that mm. sort of, you know, that sort of habit. Because it's sort of, Epitomises the team that goes up at the end of the season. You know, it's no, no coincidence. And uh, 
I think them two will be the strongest. And then, clubs as well, aren't they? Yeah, massive need. clubs. <coughs> Derby as well. Lampard's Derby, got yeah. them. Yeah, the I just still think Middlesbrough have a strong squad and they're sort of hovering about playoffs. But uh, we Tony will kick his way to the, the Premiership, isn't he? No, but the fans are... Well, he has to get them up because... The the fans yeah, are he needs to get them up. Uh, he's not because he, he lost to Villa right. in the playoff semi-final last season. Tony Pula, That's so right, this yeah. is his last... Yeah. Last chance. This is his last, uh, his last chance. We'll keep a wee eye on that, see how it goes. Right, we've got the main man sitting beside us. Let's hear a bit about the old career, eh? Let's get into it. So... Motherwell, Hartlepool to to Motherwell, um, Trevor. How much have you enjoyed your your time? And just when the initial news came about the, the possibility of, of coming up with Scotland and, and playing, were you up for it or did you have a, a wee bit of doubt? Um, I was, you know, I was in the end pushing it, but at the start it was, you know, with my family situation as well. My daughter was down in Newcastle, and you know, with my ex partner and. Coming up, I was sort of settled. I was in my comfort zone down there, and whenever Motherwell came in, Hartlepool sort of brought me in and offered me a lot more money than what I was getting offered at Motherwell. So, right. for a week or two, I think I was sort of—I was actually driving in to sign the contract, and uh, with the new manager Craig Harrison, and I just got a something come over me, a change of heart, and in the end, I was ringing because they were stolen. I think it was over two and a half grand or something, like transfer fee, like both. Honestly, I think they bought me for a bit. Four grand or something, <laughs> and uh, I think Hartlepool wanted five, but Motherwell. Like. <laughs> so in the end, I was ring. I rang our gaffer Robbo and said, like, you know, I'm desperate to come, like, make it happen. I've just like, I've got a feeling about it, and you know, it sort of surpassed my expectations. The first year getting the two cup finals, and you know, with hindsight, it was definitely the right move, and I'm glad I done it. And have you it, known him before, Stephen Robinson? I worked with him in a couple of squads. Yeah. I went on a pre or end of season two in Northern Ireland to Chile and Uruguay and he was the assistant manager then and you know but I hadn't spoken to him for a couple of years when he first contacted me and uh, you know but it dragged on for three or four weeks and I was coming I wasn't coming and you know just to get over it was me actually in the end was sort of desperate you know to for, for it to happen so I sort of pushed and sort of said to the manager like trust me I'll you know it's only a couple of grand like dig deep like make, mm-hmm. make it happen and you know <coughs> thankful that he did Simon's just got a look of disgust in his face when you say that I took less money to sign for money. I'm not back for it. And he's like, no, no, never. The contract Hartlepool offered me was to stay. It was a, th- it was a three-year deal. They were put me in through my license with the thing. The money was a lot more. And within the three years, it was in the contract that they would have me on the coaching staff. So it was like... You're off your neck. I know, but I can't. <laughs> But my family's down. Like I moved, to, obviously started somewhere, and I was based in the northeast, and it's like a second home to me. Yeah. So like that sort of side of it was pulled. I was like, but my missus was on to me as well, saying, you know, it's an opportunity to go up there and do well. And you know, I'm glad with hindsight, it's the best decision I've ever made. But at the time, it wasn't straightforward. It wasn't, yeah. you know, hotly pulled in a conference at the time as well. It was like massive step up. Well, it was. It should have been a no-brainer, really, but it wasn't at the time. But now I'm glad I done it. Was part of it because they see that, but a lot of boys, you know, and, and guys like, like, like Louis Moulton that have been adverts and saying you'll come to clubs like Motherwell, you can showcase yourself, and it leads to bigger and, and better things. Was that part you think as well? You know, live on the telly, yeah. You know, half a dozen times a season, Ibrox, Parkhead, potentially Hamden, etc., etc. Yeah, of course. You know, no disrespect the league too, but when you go from playing at places like, like Diagonal and Barnet, and then you've got the chance to maybe go to Ibrox or Celtic Park and play. You know, I was that that was a massive pull for me and uh you know, I grew up watching, you know, if you're from Northern Ireland you're either a Rangers Celtic fan, you grew up watching the SPL, watching old firm games and you know, it was definitely a massive pull. So 
you know, I think it should have been a no-brainer at the time, but, you know, now I've done it. It's the best thing I've ever done, but at the time, it wasn't as straightforward as that. But, you know, I'm glad I've done it. I've had some amazing experiences playing here three or four times, and, you know, it's been great. Obviously, your, your best experience was the three months at Fratton Park with, with Si. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Trev kept us in the league. No, I did, you, uh, you did. You were no. good that year, mate. We were ah, I was good, and then got absolutely... Shadow, uh, shafted you, didn't uh, they? Shafted me massively. Like Portsmouth, aye, uh, massively. Great club for me, isn't it? Oh, like, unbelievable! The stadium, like, the, the, stadium the fans. It's a proper club, like. Yeah. And, but yeah, they promised me. I remember Andy Offord was the gaffer. Andy the Offord that called was right, us yeah. in. I think it was the day before the last game of the season. Called us in, like, you know, go away. I was getting married and some music. Like, go away, you know, enjoy your wedding. We'll be in contact. There's like a two-year deal here waiting for you. I was thinking, great. I still haven't heard from. Him. Right. Still yeah. haven't heard from. I seen did he stay the manager? He, he stayed the, the gaffer. Yeah. He had been. They made an asset. Uh, yeah. So, I've but see, before he came, the guy had instead of to, <laughs> so, he used to sew his hands on it. Five to three. Of, of <laughs> yeah, what a life. Who was he? What was his name? So big John, John Sullivan. Sullivan. Lovely guy. He's John like, Sullivan. Loving in Vegas now. <laughs> he's American now. He's like, uh, what do you call him? Like, sells his accent or not? Oh, it's embarrassing. He sells real estate. Aye, but John Sullivan. He was a writer of Only Fools and Horses. Ah, that's right. I think he was standing at this. Place. I love ah, it was good brilliant, place good job. place to live, and uh, yeah, it was lovely. Just got drunk all the time, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> no. why you say that the fans are really passionate about their club, there. Ah, oh, there. But the worst thing was, like, I would play play well on a Saturday. I'd get the paper on a Sunday, and there'd be like twelve page spread out in Portsmouth. You know, obviously two or three years when, so it would give me like a rating in the paper, six out of ten. You know, fans would be writing him. You know, he's good, solid keeper, but he's not. Not David James, and I'm thinking, <laughs> hold on a minute here. I'm in friggin' 800 quid a week. David James is on 70 grand a week. Like, so I think that sort of, I think our year there, we struggled with that being compared because two or three the years. The Mandarich had he read that, you know? yeah, but it was only two or three years before that they were yeah. playing cup, winning the One cup, you know cup. what I mean? And for fans to go from that and then watching us every week, well, you think they had what, what Canu. Yeah. David James, uh, Defoe, Diallo, Peter Crouch, Peter Crouch, Mendes. Who was a bit? Who Saul who was Campbell, a big centre half? Saul Campbell, uh, Distan. Their faces are plastered all over. Oh yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Sai hopping out with half a half a leg. <laughs> oh, oh, what a place, man! Uh, so you mentioned the, the East as well. You started uh, early days at Sunderland. Roy Keane, your your gaffer. I Keane come in after. Who did he come in? Is it Ricky Sprash? No, Ricky took no, over from him. I, I think, no, I think it was Niall Quinn. Niall Quinn. Niall Quinn and this consortium took over That's from right. Ireland, and I think Quinn ended up sacking himself after four games, so he didn't get off the stinker, him and Bobby Saxon. And, you know, I remember he came out in the press, said, you know, we're bringing this world class manager in, you know, and there was a buzz around the place, but when they announced Roy Keane, everyone was saying, you know, how's he a world class manager? He's sort of, but in the space of a year, he took us from the bottom of the championship won the league, you know, in his first year, and for me, it was unbelievable, you know, it was just, there's not many footballers who give you that, you know, you get starstruck by, but Roy Keane, and when you see him, he's just sort of, he just gains his respect as soon as he walks into the room, he's unbelievable. Because, as you say, no experience as a manager, but because of what he achieved as a player, was it instantly, I'll run through a brick wall for this guy? Yeah, 100%, and, you know, he people talk about him being ruthless and but he says it how it is you know where you stand with him and for me I've got nothing but you know happy memories with me he was brilliant with me and uh, you know I remember playing this small side of game with him one time and he always joined in training he was always the best player he was unbelievable but 
you know, before a game kicks off, a little five, oh, you're passing the ball, and he was passing it to me, and he was just like, just think one day you can tell your kids you played with the greatest. That's <laughs> I was thinking, you know what, that's probably true, yeah. but, but I used to hate being this team because he was like, one bad. Yeah. I remember I gave the ball to one player, and it was an Irish player, young, I'll not name his name, but I give it to him. He was one of them touch tackle players, and, <laughs> you know, lo and behold, his first touch tackle, give it away, Keen turned around to me, he goes, oh, you fucking know your players don't be passing him the ball again <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't know what to think like but, uh, that's brilliant you know, he's ruthless and uh but you know Berlin for me he's done a great job at something I think he was hard done by in the end I remember reading his book and uh, there was a, there was a bit in it about he, he spoke about the goalkeepers at Sunderland there was one time it was in a, a train, summer training camp in Portugal and, and he just he said he was horrible the way he treated him Craig Gordon was, was there yeah. at the time he had to go and uh, Apologise, but you just got the feeling that 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 reading his stuff that uh, he wasn't appreciative of, of of goalkeepers in terms of the importance that that they had in, yeah. a, in a team. No, would was, that be fair? It probably is, but I think it's more. You know, when you criticise a goalkeeper, it's more scrutinised because it's a lone possession, isn't it? But he was hard on everyone. You know, mm-hmm. I can't remember him being. Overly hard, and you know Craig was unbelievable for him when he came in. Craig, like he's Craig's the best keeper I've ever worked with. You know he's unbelievable, and but I just think I can't remember him being. I think he was more hard on you know Martin Fulop, who was a Hungarian goalkeeper. He's not with us anymore, and you know I think he was more hard on Big Martin. I remember one game where he said to Martin at half time we were playing Northampton in the cup, and he kept rolling it out to Aaron Nosworthy, and Nugsy kept giving it away. And, Keane said to him at half time, I said, see if you roll the ball out one more time, I'm bringing you straight off. Look, a minute into the second half, Big Martin comes for a cross, gets the ball, <laughs> rolls it out to Nugsy, Nugsy kicks it into the stand. Keane's, you, you just look at Roy Keane, he's just standing there thinking like, what do you do? Like, but, you know, I can't remember him being, I j- he was tough, he was so tough, but he was tough with everyone, you know, like. It's standards, didn't he? He oh, wanted people to meet his standards, didn't he? Massive, like, and, you know, I remember we played a Razzie game, at Gateshead and uh, we got beat 2-0 or something but a few of the first team boys Graham Kavanagh was playing Big Stan Varga was playing so we played Gateshead got beat 2-0 we were hopeless but his assistant was at the game so we were all we had all drove the cars to the, the thing we thinking get off and Neil Bailey the manager came in he was like lads there's a bus coming to pick us up now to take us back to the training ground the manager wants to speak so we went back to the training ground this is a Saturday night like Sat there for an hour and a half, I remember we sat in the room still, next thing Keane walks in, so obviously he'd been at home or something, spoke to Lockwood, his assistant, Lockwood said that we're shambles, Keane come in, we're in this meeting for him and Graham Kavanagh had to be dragged apart because he put it on Cav because he was the experienced Senior guy yeah. and Cav's a big character as well and you know, like, and they were going at it but you know, it just shows you how what he's like, you know, he, he'd obviously travelled, he'd probably down Manchester or something, he'd travelled up just to you know, keep us in the room for two hours and tell us it's not acceptable. And you know, you you, you knew where you stood with him. Like he was. I love that. I know oh, it is. It is like it's uh, ruthless, but it's brilliant. You know, he gets respect. And do you think modern day players can can't can do that with them now? Can you? Nah, not not big players and big mm-hmm. money, mate. Like players like me who were trying to make a living, I would have ramped through a brick wall for him. You know, mm-hmm. if he, you know, because I was desperate to make it in the game and mm-hmm. desperate to please him. But boys who are going back to their mansions and. Big contracts, big, you know, they were probably just thought, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm just going to down tools. Uh, down yeah. tools, aye. So, as you say, he was successful at Sunderland the past year, four years. He's been assistant to Martin O'Neill at Republic Island. Martin O'Neill wants him beside him at Nottingham Forest. 
as well. From your own experience with him, Trevor, can you see why he would be an asset as a number two, or do you think he should become a manager again and, and, and be his own man? I think I work with Martin O'Neill as well, and you know Martin O'Neill is a great, great manager, but he's not. He doesn't have that ruthless streak that Roy Keane does, and I think like they, they must work great together because Martin O'Neill is such an experienced guy. He wouldn't be constantly bringing Roy Keane with him if he thought, you know, he wasn't good for him. So, you know, I think they work well together. I think Martin O'Neill is maybe going to be what maybe five, ten years left in management. So Keane's still early in terms of being a manager, and he's thinking. You know, I need to learn, learn my trade again, and I think it's probably the best thing for him at the minute. You mentioned just to go back to something. I wonder if there's a, a comparison up here in terms of you know Roy Keane hadn't achieved anything as a manager mm-hmm. when he was in his first job, but he had a world class reputation as a footballer. Can you see then why it's it's at the moment it's going so well for Rangers in terms of Stephen Gerrard, a, a very similar scenario? Yeah. You- Again, with Gerard, I can imagine the impact he's had at Rangers when, he, as soon as he walked in the door, he's already gained respect. You know, for what he's done in the game as a player, and you know, I know personally if he came to Mullerwell as a manager, straight away, regardless of him being his first job in football, you know, you would automatically think this guy's you know the real deal, and you know he's, he's had a great impact up here. You know, but he's been backed as well, which has helped him. You know, by the board and. You know, and he's brought in some good signings, so it's no surprise to me what you know what impact he's had at Rangers. You, you mentioned one of your, your, your last game for Motherwell was a seven. Uh, <laughs> at uh, at Ibrox, and yet you had seven, seven, one. seven one, one. Sorry, you had should have been twelve. You had, uh, but one of your, your your finest moments as part of a team was out at Hamden when you beat the uh, Rangers in the the uh, the League Cup. Yeah. Uh, semi-final how much did you enjoy that and, and get on to the, the two cup finals last season yeah that was amazing like, like for me that was the first time you know we played Rangers we hadn't played Celtic up to then but we played Rangers at home so we hadn't played in any of the big stadiums and you know I've played most of my career lower leagues in England but you know to come to Hamden full full house and uh, to actually beat them you know was just it was surreal you know the atmosphere in the dressing room after it was like didn't sink in, you know, what we'd actually done. And as I say, for someone like me who's flittered around the lower leagues for years and to come up, beat Rangers at Hamden in the semi-final of the Cup, it was, you know, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, I wish, you know, you wish you could bottle them feelings up mm. in football because it's hard, you can't explain how, you know, the euphoria you've got, it's unbelievable. You've so, got mad in the dressing room after Go mental, mate, yeah, mental. But it was a Sunday, actually, and I, all the boys went out, but I had my daughter, and that, my routine the Sundays, take her home. Oh, I actually spent kids my ruin everything, kids ruin everything <laughs> as much as a lover. But that's how I spent my Sunday after beating Rangers, mate. Going down the M74, oh, to sending a little Novo hotel down in Newcastle. Like just, but again, it was like sometimes that's the best way, you know, just to sit and lie on take your own and take it all in. It was see that day that semi final, Louis Moult get a lot of the the praise, and rightly so, for, for for these goals. But correct me for wrong, I imagine this. Did you know of a right good save or did Rangers miss a sitter or something? They missed at, a couple. Nil, nil or I had no nil. real outstanding saves that game. I had a couple where they were one-on-ones but uh-huh. more bad finishes right at me. But, you know, I'd, as a keeper, them, them games were just solid. You know, solid 6-7 out of 10. They're the best games for yeah. me. You know, you don't have to be pulling off. You know, everything I'd done was solid kicking. I just, you know, I felt it a perfect game for me where I'd just done everything clean. You know, that's what you want as a keeper. You know, you're not flapping at things and 
so for me it was just an all round perfect day clean sheet and it couldn't have went any better we had um, Louis Mott on the programme with, with, with Simon doing his, uh, his sit down and he mentioned that a bit of the motivation was some of the media outlets were already, already advertised uh, as an old firm final. Did, did you pick up on that as I th- well? I think there was rumours of it going about that a tweeted one out or something where they were already ad- advertised. I think it was might, might have been like hospitality or something, boxes for the cup final, Rangers and Celtic. But I think it sort of got blown out of proportion. And did, I know you booked, mo- did you book one of the Rangers boxes? <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think Multi was it was definitely talked about. It was used as a incentive, you know, it definitely was, but you know, for me it wasn't you know, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, you know, it was just I think maybe being blown out of proportion for me. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to we're going to round off a couple of minutes to go. This time last year, January transfer window, Brendan Rogers wants to take you to Celtic. Just give us a bit of the, the background to it. It all happened quickly, I think. Gordon had got injured on the Saturday, I think but the window had shut on the Wednesday. And we had a game on the Tuesday night against Hibs, so everything happened so quick. But, you know, I think it was the Monday at training I first heard about it. Hinty, our goalie coach, had told me he's good pals with Stevie Woods at Celtic. Yeah, and he'd yeah. said, listen, Celtic are coming in for with a bid for you. And I was like, you know, what? this is surreal. You know, I'd just come, like Motherwell, we're haggling over two grand. For, you know, <laughs> they were going to cancel a deal over a grand or two, you know, six months earlier. And all of a sudden you've got you know, one of the biggest teams in Europe coming in for you. It was... It was surreal, but I think from the offset, the manager sort of made it clear to me that it wasn't going to happen because it was so close to the window. He didn't have a replacement. Mm. So I never got, you know, carried away. And Do you never say them to... I did, mate. I had, I had conversation. I was like, Gaffer, like... Change your life. It could change my life, set me up for life. And, you know, and he was like, yeah, but I could be sacked in three weeks. So if I let you go and... You know, I'll change to, my life as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you could understand it from both point of views, and you know, I never went kicking his door down, and it was one. Of the, you know, I was obviously disappointed, and you know, I grew up, and no one I knew the Rangers Celtic fan. I grew up in a Rangers family, so you know, I, a lot of my mates back home were big Rangers fan, a lot of them Celtic fans. So it was like that side of it. The gaffer was sending me, you know, it's not the right move for you, you know, and I was like. And, but football's one link these opportunities he was saying you know it'll happen again other clubs will be in for you in the summer and I was like you do, nothing's guaranteed in football mm-hmm. you know what I mean this opportunity you know a club like Celtic coming in for you is amazing because I think would you think there's a, the, the financial impact where you'd imagine you're, you're going to get a right good bump up yeah. in your salary and B I'd imagine that some people would say Oh, why do you want to go there to be a number two to Craig Gordon? But I would imagine that you would think, I okay, but I actually believe I can go there and be number one. Yeah, there was that side of it. And, you know, with hindsight as well, I didn't have an international cap. My hindsight now, I've pl- continued to play at Motherwell. I've got five caps now. Would that have happened, you know, mm-hmm. with the form Craig's been in since he came back? Probably not, because you look at Scott Bain, every time he's played, he's been outstanding. Mm-hmm. And still, he's probably only played a handful of games, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that side of it, but at the end of the day... You're here. I'm here. I'm a dad of two kids. You know, I want to give them the best life possible. And you know how it works in football. My my agent had already spoke to them. I know what sort of money it was. It was, you know, it was life changing for me. It's money I, you know, I've played mostly League One, League Two. I haven't earned. You know, I don't have a lot to show for my career. You know, fifteen years. So you know, it comes a point where you think, you know, I've got to set my family up here and. So that side of it was definitely a big factor in terms so of... So how did Stevie Robinson react then when you had him pinned up against the wall? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Showing him your bank balance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did, they, did they take it well? Yeah, he, underst- <laughs> he understood and there was a point where 
he accepted that you know it, it was going to happen. So he lined another keeper up. It was a guy, Freddie Woodman. Is that Newcastle? Oh, is it? He had, yeah. yeah. So on that Tuesday, we were playing Hibs. He had lined it up, to, and Freddie had actually agreed to come to Motherwell. He was on the way up. So at that point, Motherwell wanted Celtic to go to this amount. Celtic said, "Yes, we'll do it." So it was all happening. Like it's all about three, four hundred grand transfer fee. Yeah, I, th- right about the I think it was. Yeah, but I think it was. And uh, so it, what, the day of the Hibs game, it was actually going to happen. There was about an hour or two. I was over at David Lloyd with my agent. We were just sitting waiting for the call to go to Celtic to do the medical. And so at that point, we thought it was happening. And all of a sudden, Aberdeen have come in for Woodman. Joe Lewis got injured, didn't he? So. <laughs> So that there are little things like that, you know, change, like, so because Scott, that was cancelled, the whole thing was cancelled, and then the Scott Bain turned up in his hips tracks it, and you know, that's Scott, I hope it's Scott weighed you in, yeah, Scott. No, <laughs> definitely not, man. He's li- I'm living in a mid terrace. I'm moving into mid terrace, and he's moving into his mansion. It's de- depressing, but but you know, you'll get there, mate. You'll get there. <laughs> but everything happens for a reason, you know. Motherwell have been great with me, and I love the club. You know, it's brilliant, and you know, hindsight, I've made five. Five appearances for Northern Ireland, now, and who's to say that would would have happened? So, on that side, you got to you know you got to take every little positive you can. And you wouldn't have been on this podcast if you'd seen for sale, mate. So no, I'd have been on a bigger one. <laughs> 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 oh, we, we delete that now. Sitting with Peter Crouch, now. anyway. <laughs> anyway, listen. The most important things we said right at the top of the show is your health. And when May twenty fifth comes around, Trevor, I hope we get the news that you deserve that you can get your career back in track and get back to to living a, a normal life professionally um, as well so we hope that that Thank works you. out for you and for Simon how good's it been having your old Portsmouth teammate great to see him for the last month. 50 minutes top keeper by the way at Portsmouth top keeper I think he'll go bigger definitely well listen we certainly hope so we wish uh, Trevor all the best from everybody at the Open Goal podcast keeping the ball on the ground I hope you've enjoyed the last 50 minutes it's been an absolute pleasure we're just now going to nip outside and reenact that Christmas night out when Trevor <laughs> punches fuck out the side. <laughs> we'll see you all next week and we'll be with Paul Slane and Kevin Kyle have a good weekend cheers at ESB Networks we keep the nation humming by connecting us all to Ireland's power network To increase the capacity and maintain the safety of the network, we may need to temporarily switch off the electricity in your area for a short period. As always, we will let you know in advance if you're going to be affected. To find out more, visit esbnetworks.ie. Hey, do you know what will go great with this podcast right now? A scrumptious Cadbury snack. Crumbly biscuits smothered in smooth, delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cadbury snack, the perfect biscuity bite for that mid-morning break. Pick one up in a store today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.